Hi everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Emily, and I am a beautiful tide pool at First Beach. And my name's Paige. I am a singular rock at First Beach, and you are listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. So what's up, Paige? How are you today? I'm good. I'm feeling pretty tired, but that might just be because I'm working full-time in a pandemic. Yeah, and just being a human being in the pandemic, honestly. Good point, good point. Um, everyone, welcome to our actual fifth episode. I don't know, this is a deep cut, maybe. I don't know if anyone saw it, but maybe if you're in a drastically different time zone, but I accidentally put that this was episode five when I originally uploaded it. I just, here's the thing about me, I can't count. (laughs) So, or, yeah, so I had put that last week's episode was episode five. Um, So this is actually episode five. So thanks for joining us. We are so excited to have you here on episode five. (laughs) We think. Maybe I counted wrong again. Who knows? So we have a lot to cover today, but... Paige, what were your impressions of these two chapters? We read chapters six and seven, which was scary stories and nightmares. So what were your impressions? I felt like uh, the first chapter especially was a little more different of a chapter than we've been reading. A lot of of plot description, uh, or not plot, sorry, uh, scene description, setting. Um, We got introduced to Jacob, which I've been waiting for and he was much different than I was expecting and my prediction came true vampires have been brought to the forefront it is a key concept in both chapters yep you were right um one thing that made me laugh too was that last time you were kind of side-eyeing Edward kind of giving him the look of uh suspicion I guess would be the word um and then in these two chapters he's literally not even in them like he's in a dream but his actual self is not even these are Edward free chapters I mean I've never felt more free (laughs) oh my god okay let's get into it um so the last chapter left off with Edward had driven away from driving Bella home after the fainting incident Um, so somehow he gets her truck back, and then, if you'll remember, he wasn't going to school on Friday because he said he was going hiking with his brother Emmett. Mm -hmm. So, of course, Jessica asks what the deal was, um, to Bella because she had sat with him at lunch for the first time the day before, and Bella doesn't really give her much to gossip about, which I was like, you know what? I would have wanted to gossip about it, too. And it's funny that Jessica says that she looked kind of mad. That makes me laugh. I I don't doubt that she was looking mad. I also am just picturing Jessica just, like, watching her like a freaking hawk over there. That would be some juicy tea to watch. It would. It would. It would be very exciting. And one thing, I meant to say this when we first started, but reading these um, chapters and when I read this it was this last Sunday and it was kind of a cooler day it was like a very fall day and this like whole aura this whole aesthetic I was like oh my god I feel like I'm like 12 again reading Twilight in the fall it was very nice (laughs) so anyways Bella has a bad day because no one's there that she cares about aka Edward um and then 
this whole deal with Lauren happens. So at the bottom of page 111, Lauren says, is saying to someone else, she doesn't know why Bella just doesn't just sit with the clones from now on and is like basically talking shit about her and then goes on to like do the same thing later on. What do you think is her problem? I, I don't know. She might just be mean. Who, which boy was she paired up with? Do you remember? Tyler. Tyler? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe she's just mean. I, maybe a little, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, my cat just ran into something. <laughs> what you were saying, maybe a little. Um, maybe a little jealous, like maybe she had some kind of interest in the Collins, and the fact that Bella is getting to live that while she isn't might be upsetting to her. But I kind of just got the impression from her that she was just kind of added in as like a stereotypical bully, I guess. Not that she's necessarily bullying Bella right now but just something normal to throw in there into this book which is about to launch into the complete abnormal yeah you know what I'm glad that you bring that up because I was kind of about to drag Stephanie Meyer for for this because I was kind of gonna be like what's the point like why are we wasting time on this but yeah yeah, maybe it is because she's like trying to make it a normal world yeah of the supernatural element So, um, that night, Bella happens to ask her dad about the place that Edward said he was going to go hiking. Did he say hiking or camping? He must have said camping, because she says camping on this. But, um, (laughs) I just think this is funny. It's, like, once again, very subtle. Because Charlie is like, "Mm, can't camp there, there's too many bears. And Bella's like, "Mm, okay. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Because this is before that she knows, like, what's going on. But obviously we know what's going on. So it's very, like, a like an awareness moment for the reader. I'm not going to lie. I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Okay, maybe it's not as obvious as I thought. I, th- I have an idea, but I, I, I might be wrong. <laughs> I guess I'm just going to leave that right where it is. Because if you don't know, maybe I shouldn't say <laughs> If you don't know, you're stupid. I'm not saying you're stupid. It's just like, maybe I misread how obvious this was. <laughs> so Bella wakes up and she is really surprised to see that the sun is actually out. So the weather forecast was right. So she rolls up to meet everybody at Mike's parents' sporting goods store, which is like so, it it fits his personality so well that his parents own a sporting goods store. It's very like all-American boy. Yeah can see that um and lauren's there being rude again for no reason or maybe there's a reason i don't know who's to say um so mike is still doing this thing and finally in the next chapter bella finally has to be like listen but when i'm reading this i'm irritated are you irritated uh fucking yeah i am i'm sick of mike i i'm picturing whoever the actor is and I'm just like me punching him in the face oh sad I think he's actually like a really nice guy he's gone to that festival that's in Washington like multiple times I I'm not saying like him as an actor I'm just saying his character I'm just using him as a scapegoat for my punching yes because that's what you know that character is like face as that makes sense yeah yeah, I'm just going to, like, get with the program. And I feel bad for Jessica, too. 
Like, she's really getting the short end of the stick here. That would be a real bummer if this new girl who's literally... I mean, how how much time has passed, like, at this point? Like, a month and a half? Yeah, or maybe, like, two months. This new girl just swoops in and takes her man who... Who knows how long she's had a crush on him. That would be so upsetting. It'd be devastating. Yeah. So, speaking of which, Bella agrees to ride with him, but then manages to, like, get Jess to sit in between them, which just sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, um, what kind of car does it say he drove? A Suburban. Is that even a seat? I I don't think that that area has a seatbelt. I don't think so. Seems dangerous, Mike. And also, if she's on the ground, like, that's so awkward. Yeah. (laughs) Sad. Okay. So, yeah. I really liked how you described these chapters earlier and you were saying that there's a lot of, like, setting because I agree. And I'm about to drag Stephanie Meyer here shortly, so I guess I should get this nice compliment in. She does do a really good job, like, setting the scene. It makes it sound, like, very beautiful, very realistic, like somewhere I would want to go, personally. Definitely. So, finally, they show up to the beach after all this um, description of setting. And the kids are kind of just hanging out. Like, I'm kind of glazing over this just because it's just a normal teenage hangout. They're just doing what teenagers do, you know, listening to music. Like, um, somebody brought a CD player, which is so funny to me. (laughs) I'm definitely picturing 2003. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's definitely right around in that era. Um, And then they hike to the tide pools, which we mentioned in our little intro. This sounds so fun. Like, have you ever looked at a tide pool? Maybe, I don't know. I, so it's like, um, I don't think I'm the best person to describe this, but it's like, so on a beach, if there is a dramatic difference between like high tide and low tide, um, when it's at low tide, there is like all this wildlife that just like literally lives there. And so when there's no water, they just kind of like, are like bouncing around, you know, doing stuff. And then when the tide comes back in, they're obviously underwater. So it's usually like starfish and like snails and like little anemones, depending on where in the world you are. I saw one in Scotland. So it was like obviously way more Northern. So the like animal life was different, but it's really pretty and fun. Cool. It's like little ecosystems that you can look at. So cute. Very cute. I wanted to be a marine biologist when I was younger. Anybody else? Anybody else? (laughs) You know about Bob Ballard? No, who's that? He discovered the Titanic, the wreckage of it. I did a report on him in fourth grade. You wanted to be him or or what? No, I just did a report on him. We had to to choose a famous, quote-unquote, famous person and help them run a presidential campaign. I think that may have been maybe an election year. I don't know. But um, I just found a book about him in the library, and I was like, I guess this guy is good enough to run the country. Dang, that's an interesting project. It's cool. Honestly, let's do a little shout out here for teachers, because they are really doing the most to try to make stuff interesting and engaging, and literally in the middle of a pandemic right now. Yeah, I 100% shout out to teachers out there. If you're a teacher and you're listening to this, I'm giving you a tiny kiss on the top of your head for protection. We are so grateful for you and you deserve to be paid more. Maybe if people vote, things will change. I mean, all we can do is what we have in our power to do. So vote, people. 
Because that's civic duty, you know. We gotta vote. We gotta do it. Okay, so after this whole tide pool thing, they go back to where the group was. And here we go. Here is the introduction of Jacob Black. Well, first, um, like, obviously the audience knows. Anyone who's, like, literally seen anything from pop culture knows. But Bella doesn't really know. She just notices that it's some guy named Jacob. Then a little bit more time passes. Um, and... This little passage is kind of depressing where she's sitting with Angela and she, Bella's basically just kind of like dragging herself for only caring about when Edward is around. And I'm like, mm, we've all had crushes, Bella. Like, that's how it is. We've all been there. I was going to ask you on page 118 in okay. the paragraph, she's talking about how time seems to go kind of weird and it seems disjointed while other times it seems to go really fast. And the last sentences they read, and then at other times, every second was significant, etched in my mind. I knew exactly what caused the difference, and it disturbed me. That's about Edward, right? The the moments where he's around are the ones that are making an impact on her. That's what I interpreted it as. But I just want to make sure. Yes, that's exactly what I was just referencing. She's kind of like, the fact that she says it disturbed me, she's kind of like being hard on herself. And that's where I'm kind of like, mm, that's normal. Yeah, I mean, it might be disturbing to look back on it, but I mean, at the time, when you've got a crush, that's all you can think about. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I think Bella's, like, too mature for her own good. Like, just let yourself be free. Yeah, you're 17, girl. Have a, you know, enjoy yourself. Exactly. So, then after that is when Jacob walks up. So I got to ask, what do you think of this introduction to Jacob? You had mentioned a little bit earlier that he was not what you were expecting. Can you elaborate on that? I mean, I think that in part has to do with my preconceived idea of Taylor Lautner mm -hmm. being, I mean, I don't know how old he was when it was being recorded, but I'm picturing Breaking Dawn Taylor Lautner like that's what I'm picturing in my head and I did not know that he just turned 15 like that I just don't remember him being that young and I feel like he is described exactly the right way he seems childish and I don't want to say immature I just want to he seems like he just turned 15 so that just wasn't the character I was expecting but I think it was nailed on the head for what kind of a character he is yeah, yeah, and it's interesting that you bring that up, because um, I just looked it up to make sure I got my facts straight, but this is kind of an issue, I mean, this is a whole separate discussion, and I'm sure we'll get into it further if we do an episode or episodes on the movies, but Taylor Lautner was only 17 when they filmed the first movie, which oh. is problematic, because they sexualized him and objectified him. I, like I said, I thought that he was way older, which shows that they were depicting depicting him as like a fucking adult. Yeah, like I said, that's that's pretty problematic. Um, and we'll probably talk about it, like I said, later on when we cover the movies. Um, but for now, um, I think I think you make a good point that um, he's very young, and I don't know that. You know, it's weird, like, hearing you talk about it, because I don't remember what my first thoughts were. I don't I don't think I had any preconceived notions of what this character was supposed to be at all. Yeah, I think that if you didn't, hadn't seen the movies, you had read it when it come out, when it came out, you would picture him exactly the way that Stephanie intended you to picture him as. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's funny because 
um, Bella has probably like been around him. They don't really ever say if they've met. Later, Jacob like trying to um, basically like get one over on Mike is like we've known each other since I was born or whatever. But it's here. Bella says that she had spent more time with his older sisters because they were closer to her in age. Mm-hmm. So um, these families have interacted a lot. Um, so they're kind of like um, Bella and Jacob. I mean, they're kind of just bouncing off each other. They have pretty good like banter. They get along pretty well right from the start. Um, and then, of course, Lauren sees this and is like all rude about it, which is like for the third time. Why? Do, I don't care about you. Are you in this story? <laughs> so annoying. I just- I just feel like some people will not be happy if you are happy. You know, like, seeing you in a positive light makes them upset that you're thriving, you know? Yeah. You know what? You nailed that. You hit that nail on the head because that is totally true. Bonk, bonk. (laughs) What? Bonk, bonk. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That bonk meme. So good. Um, (laughs) I was curious if you were annoyed that this is just one more guy on the list who is infatuated with Bella. I, I am annoyed because literally the first line that introduces him is like something along the lines of there's a boy who noticed me. Like that's how she, that's how she wrote it. And I was like, I never know if a boy is noticing me. Like, I feel like she's also very cognizant of the fact that he's noticed her and kind of takes advantage of this um throughout the conversation they have to get the information she wants which was problematic for me but um I I'm annoyed that she knows it and is just like using it for her own gain and I'm also annoyed that it's literally a fifth boy at this point yeah Yeah, and I'm glad you bring that up because that was actually literally my next note and my next question for you was like, so Bella basically tries to turn what Edward has done to her onto Jacob and like flirt with him to um, extract information from him. And I wanted to know what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I didn't like it, first of all. Um, It's just, it's so manipulative when you know someone likes you and you don't. I mean, there's going to be more to come, but I don't know if she necessarily has any interest at this point. And also he's like, she knows that he's, uh, I don't want to say quite a bit younger because they're only two years apart in age, maybe three ish. But like, I think she was also taking advantage of his immaturity too, to, for her own game, which all around bad, not a fan. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's kind of a gross not kind of, it is a gross thing from Bella. It, yeah, it doesn't make me super happy, but she doesn't, and she gets the information that she wants, so unfortunately it works for her. And I feel like that's a great segue to talk about the information that has gotten. Got. Yes. I liked gotten, it sounded smooth. Yeah. <laughs> Rolled off the tongue. Yeah, so this is, yeah, we definitely gotta do a talk about this. We gotta... I'm, I'm picture this as me at the front of the class saying, sit down, children, we're going to talk about cultural appropriation. Okay. Okay. So basically what happens is Lauren trying to spite Bella 
is like, didn't anyone invite Edward, like trying to make her all uncomfortable or whatever? And the other native that is in Jacob's group says, the Cullens don't come here. Mm-hmm. And so that's what kind of inspires Bella to manipulate Jacob into telling her what the deal is. So they go on a walk down the beach together and she's just laying it on real thick. Um, even trying to like, she asks about the other boy and like makes it clear that he's older and she wants to be in Jacob's group, which is gross. But anyways, (laughs) so she asks what he meant by the Cullens don't come here. And Jacob says they're not allowed to, they're not supposed to come here. And that this leads to him basically giving quote unquote tribal history. Okay. So Paige, I sent you a couple links to read for this week. Um, So do you want to kind of discuss what you read just really briefly? Um, I don't know who wrote this article. I don't know if you have the information about um, uh, an article written about the fact that the um, indigenous group that was, that is portrayed in the book, their own tribal history is not exactly what is portrayed in the book. And it seems like it's being, or it doesn't seem like it is. It is being misconstrued quite blatantly in the book. And I don't know if Stephanie Meyer ever addressed that about that she like found this story that sort of fit with the story that she was going and then just kind of twisted the information into what she wanted it to be and then stated it was fact. Um, but basically that was kind of what the article was about. So that's what we read. Yes. Um, so that article was from the Peninsula Daily News. Um, it w- it's an article from 2009 and it was written by Paige Dickerson. Um, and yes, there is actually a quote from Stephanie in that article where she says, I latched onto the wolf story, parentheses, the actual Quilly legend claims that the tribe descended from wolves transformed by a sorcerer, end parentheses, because it fit with my sketchy knowledge of vampires and werewolves always being at each other's throats. Ha ha, pun intended. So I feel like as people who are reading this, and I know Paige agrees with me on this, um, we have a responsibility to talk about the truth. Um, So... The reality of this is, is that, yeah, Stephanie basically took something that already has existed for thousands of years and literally is someone, is like living people's culture and literally appropriated it for her own use and built a multi-million or even billion, I don't even know, dollar franchise on it. Um, So let's just do some fact checking here. So first of all... um, that character that Stephanie Meyer refers to as a sorcerer is not that in Quilliot tradition. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I'm sorry that if I'm not, but that character Kawadi is like a wise person. And yeah, I'm pretty sure the article said it, he was just a transformer. Yeah, like a wandering spirit that transformed people. So that's the only time in their actual history and legend that people are transformed from wolves into humans and they don't switch back. Um, so Stephanie just kind of molded that piece of their history and culture into what she wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they also don't have any vampires in their legends. Um, I did some research and yeah, found that um, a member of the tribe had said, yeah, we don't believe in vampires. Um, and 
There is a really good series for anyone who wants to dig into this a little bit further. It's called Truth Versus Twilight. It's produced by this place called the Burke Museum, um, which is located in Washington. And it's in like cooperation and collaboration with the Quileute people. So you know that it's factual. I didn't send you anything that, from that page because um, it's pretty spoilery because they cover the whole series, but we'll be coming back to it. Um, and um, this will all be coming back in full force later. Like we are really just scratching the surface here because it's just really the introduction to the Quileute legends in this and their representation in this book. And I don't know if you know this page. I don't, I can't remember if it was in the article or not, but the Quileutes have not received any proceeds from Twilight. None of their likeness or culture or anything has earned them any, like, they haven't been paid for it, even though it's being used in merchandise, even though they literally designed literal tattoos based on their culture, but actually not authentic to their culture that people then went out and got. I mean, basically what I'm saying is donate to move to higher ground. This is bullshit. Yeah, which you can find the link to that if you need help finding it. I believe it's our second episode, um, Inner Monologue of an E-Boy. Yes, it's, I mean, it, we put it all over. We can put it in the episode description for this one again. It's in our link tree, which is in our bio on our Twitter and on our Instagram, um, or just Google Move to Higher Ground, or just go to mthg.org. Super easy and really a good way to, for us to put our money where our mouth is. Um, unfortunately, because this is what this story is built off of, we have no choice but to discuss the lore of it because that's the story. But I do feel like it's really important to talk about the actual truth that was appropriated. Absolutely. I, I made a note here that I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong by being inspired by different stories and things that you learn about other people. But it's something completely different to be inspired by something than to say that something is a part of a literal real group of people's culture and attach their name to it and then make that seem factual. Like therein lies the problem. She easily could have heard of this notion and then made up some completely fictional thing out of it that is not real, is not tied to any real person's name or any real culture like that and made a completely fictionalized thing. But the fact that she put their actual tribe name on it is literal by the definition of the name cultural appropriation, literally appropriating their entire culture for personal gain. Personal gain. There you go. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, I I also wanted to ask, um, like, in, in this whole description where he's talking about um, that they can turn into werewolves and that there's the cold ones, all of this, when I'm picturing a werewolf, I'm picturing a creature on two legs mm -hmm. that looks kind of wolfish but m more bipedal, more man-like than... Like a teen wolf. Werewolf. Yeah, like a teen wolf, basically. But in the films and in what the actual Quileute people describe, they just literally turn into wolves. Was the director of the film trying to be more in line with what the culture, the 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 tribal teachings have always said? Or was that, I mean, because I'm picturing 
when I hear the word werewolf, not a wolf. I'm picturing a werewolf, you know? And I feel like the movie wolves look like wolves. They didn't look like werewolves. So yes and no. So the actual Quileute culture says that it was literal living wolves that were transformed into humans and then were humans from then on. Mm. Um, I think that the movies depict them as normal wolves, not because of the culture, but because that's how Stephanie writes it. I don't think this is spoilery to, to talk about this with you because you have seen the first two movies um, and you know that werewolves are part of the story. Yeah. Mm. Later on, when they're formally introduced, they are, she depicts them as actual wolves. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So with all that in mind, um, we have to talk about their conversation here because it's part of the plot, even though it's cultural appropriation, just keep that in mind. So um, basically Jacob introduces this idea of the cold ones and he says that they are the natural enemy of his people, which are in this story that he presents werewolves. Um, So he interestingly says that his great-grandfather was an elder and actually met the Cullens. He says that they are the same ones that were here when his great-grandfather was alive and was a tribal elder. Um, So that's interesting. (laughs) Interesting. Um, So at the bottom of page 125, speaking of which, um, when he's saying that they're the same exact quote-unquote people or vampires, um, he says, there are more of them now, a new female and a new male, but the rest are the same. I know that you know literally nothing about the Colons because you haven't even met anyone but Edward and Carlisle yet, but just if you had to guess, who are the two new ones, the man and the, the woman? Um, okay, well, I... If I had to guess, because I know that two of them are quote unquote brother and sister. And yeah, and then there's ones that are together. Yeah, and then the other three, which include Edward, are quote unquote real siblings. So I'm going to guess maybe Edward as being, or the other male that's in the the triad. And then maybe I... Esme? I'm, I don't know. I, I really, I could say any name and it would just be a guess. I have no, no logical theory. I maybe one of the, the duos that join together, like maybe the brother and sister, quote unquote, maybe it's them and they got turned at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, nice. I know that you have literally nothing to go off of. So that was kind of an unfair question. But one of the things I'm interested to see a reaction on is kind of all of their origin stories because um, she, if there's one thing Stephanie Meyer loves, it's a good backstory. Um, And by good, I mean detailed, not necessarily good as in good versus evil. Um, You'll see what I mean later, but um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to hearing your thoughts on, you know, where they all come from and how they all were created into vampires. But that's a thing for another day. So, um Jacob gets to the point eventually on page 126 because Bella says what are they what are the cold ones he smiled darkly blood drinkers he replied in a chilling voice your people call them vampires and here we have that I believe is the first time that word is ever used right I think so 
So um, Bella is understandably freaked out and Jacob's kind of worried that she thinks like she's judging him. Like she thinks that the story was dumb or something, but really she's like, she knows that it's true, which mm-hmm. is interesting because he doesn't even believe it. But yeah, it's because she believes that it's true, even if Jacob doesn't believe it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Mike comes up and <laughs> there's this whole weird pissing contest again, which is like, how many guys are going to have pissing contests over Bella? It just like, I just feel like it's fragile masculinity. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I, 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 it almost to me, it feels like Mike is just giving off this energy that like, if you bait me with this even remotely, I'm going to freak out. And then both Jacob and Edward are like, oh, let's mess with them. You know, like, like they can sense that he's just going to get really upset and they're like, let's have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, One thing I forgot I just kind of skipped over and I wanted to go back to on page 126 um, when Jacob is worried that Belle is like judging her or whatever he says seriously though don't say anything to Charlie he was pretty mad at my dad when he heard that some of us weren't going to the hospital since Dr. Cullen started working there does this in your mind kind of explain Charlie's earlier behavior when he got really mad when Bella was like people talk bad about the Cullens yeah definitely like it just shows that Charlie kind of has been respecting the Cullens for some time because I'm sure that this happened. I mean, I don't know how long they've been in Forks, but I'm sure this was a substantial amount of time ago that this happened. And he's still adamant that people shouldn't be jumping to conclusions, even though maybe they have a reason to. (laughs) Literal supernatural creatures living in their town. Yeah, they might be kind of right. But I believe in one of the first couple chapters, they said that the Collins had gotten there two years ago. But remember, now we know that they got back, right? Because they've been here before. Right. Um, But to answer your question, they've been around for about two years. So, um, yeah, I don't even really feel like talking about the whole deal with Mike and Jacob because it's just immature. But basically, Bella's like, tells Jacob to come visit her in Forks, which again is kind of gross after how she just treated him. But she says, he was someone I could easily be friends with. I'm like, all right, sis, as long as you make sure you don't lead him on, just saying. I have nothing but a bad feeling. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure the second one kind of, sw- I feel like if I am remembering that right, there's some kind of switch in the second one where Jacob seems to be more the male of Bella's dreams. I could not tell you what happens, but I feel like I do remember her being more with him. Um, So something good has to happen at some point where she turns from just wanting to use him for information to actually being interested in him romantically. But I don't know. I don't know what her motives will be. I don't know really anything. I, I'm just trying to piece together what little information I have already. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to return to my often used catchphrase of, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and by will, I mean you, because I already know. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like a weird power thing. <laughs> so like, no. Did you hear that really loud motorcycle? Sorry. Um, a train 
you know, it did kind of sound like a train. There's these guys that live on my street that, like, have... I hate the expression crotch rockets because why? But I think that's technically... I know exactly what you're referencing. Yeah, I think that's technically what they're called, and they like to go up and down. Um, What was I saying? Oh, it just, like, is weird to have, like, to know all... To have all the facts, and you have, like, none of them. (laughs) I feel kind of bad. (laughs) You You could dole me out a little bit here and there, like, You've been reading really well this week, so I'll give you a little bit. Jacob's really, I don't, I am trying to come up with a fucking spoiler that I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I'll just send you a a funny meme as a treat. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) There's some good ones on Tumblr. Um, I gotta give a shout out to the Twilight Renaissance Tumblr community because they are talking about the issues. They are cranking out memes. I love y'all. Um... And I'm glad that it's still happening on Tumblr because, you know, I don't, I wasn't sure if Tumblr was still going to be around in the year of our Lord 2020, but here we are. Here we are. So, um, basically they get back into the the suburban to go home. Um, and Belle is just like, I'm going to sit in the back and have an existential crisis because I have a crush on a vampire. <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of chapter six. Did you have any notes that we didn't cover? I, no, I only took a few notes because I honestly was super enthralled in this chapter. So I was, I didn't really take a lot of notes, but we did cover what I wanted to talk about. So Perfect. So chapter seven, Nightmare. Bella gets home and is really dramatic. I don't know. Maybe it's unfair for me to call this dramatic, but I'm like, sis, you got to work through your issues. <laughs> like, maybe don't turn on a CD and just zoink out. Like That was the most unrealistic thing to me. Like, I listened to the same song maybe four times in a row. And, I mean, it's not the same song, but the same album, I think she said she listens to it three times in a loop. And I'm like, I would not have the patience. Yeah, me neither. And... Yeah, I don't want to be judgmental for her because we all have our different, like, coping mechanisms. I think I just am too, like, particular and have too much OCD, real talk. Um, and I say that as a real diagnosed person with OCD. You know what? Just a little quick little insert here. If you don't have actually have OCD, maybe don't say that being organized means you're OCD because it's a real thing that real people have, aka me, and it's not funny. Okay, anyways. Um, so I just feel like I would not be able, when I have something that's like on my brain and is really bugging me or like really big news, I cannot avoid it. Like my brain makes me face it, but she's like, I'm not dealing with it. (laughs) Goodbye. She is, I I don't want to call her a race car, but she is out T500. (laughs) That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like if we ever sell merch like masks, it should just be like your your one-liner jokes because they're all really good. I'm blushing. Oh my god. <laughs> so, anyways, um, she falls asleep to this CD, which, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Stephanie Meyer has come out and said that this was a Lincoln Park CD. Which I'm like, you didn't have to be so rude about how they're what you call them screamy or something. I'm like. Yeah. Lincoln yeah. Park is good, and also we're on the soundtrack of your literal movie, and also one of the band members produced the soundtrack. <laughs> I do have to say, though, that sounds like the exactly exactly the right album that I feel like Bella should have been listening to yes. for the purpose. Yes, agreed. To get her mind off things. Mm-hmm. 
So she has a nightmare, thus the name of the chapter, Subtle. Um, And basically she's in the forest and both Jacob and Mike show up trying to pull her deeper into the forest, which I I think is interesting. Like you would think the danger would be deeper in the forest and not on the beach, which is where she's trying to go, but it's flipped. So Edward, the danger, quote unquote, is on the beach. Um, And she's like desperately trying to get there, even though Jacob and Mike are like, no, no, run away or whatever. And then Jacob turns into a wolf and then Edward shows up and I just want to point out on page 131, middle of the page, Edward, Dream Edward says, or it says, trust me, he purred. I want to throw up in my fucking mouth. What? I think that goes hand in hand with his fucking chuckling. This motherfucker would be purring. Yeah, I think purring is worse than chuckling. Like, it's on a whole nother level. I'm disgusted. <laughs> yeah, I knew that that would, I knew that would get you the same way it got me, so I had to bring it up. I also just wanted to point out there that um, the fact that this dream is her two bows telling her, no, trust me, and then getting into a fight, I'm like, you just summed up the entire series pretty much I I mean I know nothing but I feel like you kind of just gave a pretty good run through about what's going to happen for the next 800 pages yes I think in literature they call that foreshadowing (laughs) (laughs) did that get you good (laughs) it really did I feel like I'm in e freaking 120 right now oh my god don't even talk to me about e 120 Intro, like, it's just freshmen, even if they're not 100 level, freshman level English classes are like, meh. Because, like, everybody has to take them, so no one has enthusiasm. And I'm like, you guys, this book is good, and no one cares. I I just told my roommate this story, I think either yesterday or today. But in my introduction to Shakespeare class, I was, it was like a class of maybe 50 people. And like you said, it was one of those classes that you could have taken with any major that counted as, like, your culture thing that I don't know but it was like me and one other girl actually like answered questions and talked during the classes and the professor I really wish I could remember her name she was so sweet um she emailed both of us like the second to last week and she was like look you guys are the only people who care so don't come in for the final I'm just giving you A's and every time I think about that I'm like I gave her my personal email. I was like, thank you so much. If you ever want to catch up, just shoot me an email. She never did. But, you know, it still warms my heart. Yeah, and there's still time. I mean, she still could reach out. You never know. You never know. I just feel like... I'm sorry, I just bumped my computer. Um, and Maybe this is biased because I kind of want to be an English teacher someday. But I just feel like English teachers in general... Obviously, there's exceptions to the to every rule. But, like... I just feel like they are the realists. Like, they tell you the truth, and they also are, like, really nice to you and teach you really important life lessons. Mm-hmm. Shout out to um, my favorite English professor of all time, uh, Thomas Conway. I still heart you from the bottom of my heart. I'm thinking about you all the time. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I I really leaned on, like, a bunch of my English professors in college, not just for academics, but like for life stuff. And they're always there for me. Good people. I love that. 
I feel like the English department was really nice because also, I mean, I, this might be true for any major, but it's like when you, when you meet up with the professor, when you're in that major and they like really love that, it's just, you feel like you're talking with someone who knows you. Definitely. Yeah, that's exactly it. Anyways, so um, the dream ends when the wolf, which let's all remember is Jacob, okay, um, lunges for the vampire, which is Edward, which is like, why are we using these titles? Whatever. Um, And Bella screams and sits up out of bed. So she's basically up for the day. It's a Sunday, which this chapter gave me the Sunday scaries. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I Sundays are one of two days I have off um, from work. I have one weekday and then I always have Sundays off. And let me tell you, being enrolled in, I think, 14 credits right now and also working full time. It's like, all right, so Sunday I'm either going to do homework all day or I'm going to run errands that I've been putting off all week for the first half of the day. And then rush through every homework assignment in the second half and not eat dinner. Sundays are just like, they are R-U-F-F rough. Jeez Louise. You guys, I just want you to recognize that Paige works full time, is enrolled in 14 credits, and is also <laughs> doing this podcast with me. And you're so, like, I love you so much. It's it's the, one of those things where it's like, I watched a 55-minute long documentary about funerals today, and... It was, I don't want to say a bummer, because that is an understatement, but it was pretty heart-wrenching. But then I'm like, I get to talk about Twilight, so that's fun. Like, it's it's a nice respite from any kind of real life. That's good. I'm glad that it can be that for you, and I'm, I'm so glad you're enjoying it. I was kind of worried that you wouldn't like it, so. It's, it's just eating up. It is. This, this tea, it's not whistling yet, but... These lips are purse. It's about to whistle. Yeah, it is. You're like running out to the kitchen before it whistles and wakes up the rest of the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so she puts off um, doing what she has to do, which this kills me every single time I read it. I am so dead that she fires up her computer, goes to Google, and just types in vampire. I am so dead, but also... I would probably do the exact same thing. <laughs> I I mean, when did this book come out? 2005? Yeah. I think that seems about right for 2005. It does. But I'm like, you couldn't have Googled, like, vampires real? Question <laughs> Or anything? Like, you just searched vampire? I also, I mean, I don't know if... I It might be believable... Like I said, it was in 2005, but Stephanie's description of this old-ass computer and how long it takes, it kind of sounds like it was written by someone who's never used a computer before. Like I said, it's 2020, and I don't remember what the internet was really like back in 2005, but it seems like the, I would give up if I had to use this computer. I would lose all interest and get away, because this computer sucks yeah I I thought it was weird too like it's definitely possible that this is true but I'm like first of all free internet service didn't know that existed 
because she says my free service was sub- substandard. I'm like, okay, I didn't even know that free internet existed. But I remember when I was little, we had AOL, which I have no idea what the cost was because I didn't care because I was like nine. But it all I had to do was like dial up, do the like, you know, and then it would be on. It like, and there was no pop-ups. Maybe it's just the fact that it was free, but I'm still like, that was real. Maybe it's because they're in the forest. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like small town, bad internet. I don't know if that's a thing in small towns, though. I feel like small towns have normal internet because people live there. But maybe not back then. 2005? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. Really? How does that internet even work? Like back then, did it? Did you need to like lay the cable? I think it's just like in the air. I don't know. <laughs> now it is. I don't know. Someone who was, like, an adult in 2005, reach out, tell us what... Basically, if you have to call us idiots, that's fine, but we really don't understand. I mean, how old were you in 2005? I turned 10 in late 2005. I must have turned 9 then, because I think you're a year older than me. Yeah. Am I? When's your birthday? August 96? You, I'm going to say it, but I, you should bleep it out. <laughs> well, it's just August 96, right? You don't have to say a date. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Wow, yeah. Anyways. Anyways, back to the actual um, plot. So she basically finds this website that talks about different vampire myths from throughout the world. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting, so I'm looking at page 134. Mm-hmm. Um, so she basically says that vampires, I'll just read it. They also seemed like constructs created to explain away the high mortality rates for young children and to give men an excuse for infidelity. I'm like, even in vampire legends, men ain't shit. I wrote for that exact line, all capital letters, retweet, Bella. (laughs) Yeah, so she's finding a lot of interesting things, which I personally have never done issue or research on this issue, but like, it's, it makes sense that like, I don't know if any of this is even true, I'm assuming. But also Stephanie has proven that she's okay with just spouting untrue content. But yeah. it's if this is true, it's interesting that so many different cultures like have this incorporated into like their ethos. You know what I mean? I think it might have some kind of I don't want to say like all cultures share this belief, but a lot of cultures have some kind of fear of the dead or of death in general. So having some kind of embodiment sort of cryptid that is this like walking dead figure who consumes living flesh and tissue to sustain life. I could see it being sort of a common thread that is talked about maybe not in those specifics but some sort of night walker who is in the shadows who sort of embody embodies death as a concept yeah yeah definitely i think that's a huge factor of it i also think i think there's a lot of things going into it i mean you have parallels in nature because there are animals that consume blood and then obviously there's the very religious undertones and like the the concept that like women getting their body violated by an evil force um which is obviously also very religious um have you ever read dracula like the actual original dracula? I, I started it i just have a hard time reading like gothic 
18th century kind of writing. It's just, or 19th century? 19th century. Yeah, I think so. It was written in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it wasn't my favorite. I wanted, I, I still want to read it. I have it, I'm literally looking at it on my bookshelf right now. I just couldn't get into it just because it's not my favorite writing style, I guess. But yeah. I read a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah, the writing style is tough. I definitely agree with you there. Um, I had to read it for school, and it's actually, if you can get past that, it's really good. But there is so much religious undertones in that, as there is in this, obviously, too. So, um, Had you ever thought about, like, like when you were younger, did you think about vampires? Was it a thing that you were into at all? Not really. In third grade, we made up a fake band called The Vampires, and I was a singer, and we sang songs about being vampires. But that was more of a playground game than actual um, interest. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of a really before Twilight, which obviously I read as a young person, but I don't think I was really that interested in them either. It's just weird that, like, I mean, we basically just talked about this, but that it's just kind of a thing in our culture that no one questions. It's like, everyone knows it. It's like, when did you learn what a vampire was? But everybody knows what it is. You know what I mean? I think it's just a common, like a, a monster, I guess, that they have in different, I'm thinking of fucking Hotel Transylvania. I know that. <laughs> no, that's good though. Fucking Scooby-Doo has vampires in it. Like, I don't know. It's just a monster that was always talked about in, like pretty much any age media because I was watching fucking Scooby-Doo at age four and they had all kinds of monsters. It's ubiquitous as it were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so basically Bella finds like little to prove all of the factors that she is kind of lined up in her head that is weird about Edward and his family. Um, So I'll just read this little paragraph here. Overall, though, there was little that coincided with Jacob's stories or my own observations. I had made a little catalog in my mind as I'd read and carefully compared it with each myth. Speed, strength, beauty, pale skin, eyes that shift color, and then Jacob's criteria. Blood drinkers, enemies of the werewolf, cold-skinned, and immortal. There were very few myths that matched even one factor. So this research doesn't really help her, and she gets frustrated and decides to go on a walk into the forest, which, as um, our Paige and I's favorite podcast hosters say, stay out of the fucking forest. Anytime anyone goes in there, I'm like, I'm nervous. Nothing good happens in there, except like photosynthesis, but that's different. Yeah, I feel like good things happen when you go in a group and are safe. (laughs) I don't know, there's a lot of... Uh, Friday the 13th movies that beg to differ. I haven't seen them, so I can't I can't speak one way or another to that, but I'll take your word for it. Um, so she goes out there and kind of just has a little time to think to herself in this little, like, alcove in the trees. Um, so I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but on page 137, 137, 138 is kind of when she's going through this rationalization. And she says, I forced myself to focus on the two most vital questions I had to answer. First, I had to decide if it was possible that what Jacob had said about the colons could be true. And she kind of 
is having a mental war about this. She's like, no, it can't be true. That's crazy. But then she's kind of like, uh, well. The receipts don't lie. Yeah, she's like, according to my calculations, <laughs> actually they are. <laughs> um, so basically what she comes to a conclusion on that one is, well, they were something. Um, Edward Cullen was not human. He was something more. And then her second question is, what was I going to do if it was true? And she goes through this whole thought process on it and realizes basically that she's in too deep and is like, I guess it doesn't matter because I already care too much about him and about the situation to back out now. So, yeah, she feels very at peace with that. She's kind of like, all right, so we're bopping on. The Edward and Bella train is full steam ahead. At least she made a decision. You know, she can actively work towards that now instead of being flip-floppy about, is she mad? Is she not going to talk to him? Is she interested? You know, at least she's committed. At this point, there's no going back. She can dive in. No, no holds bar. She can really, really do what she wants to do. Yes, true. And I apologize if you heard a plane going over just now as Paige was talking. My house is like transportation hub, apparently. I live right by an airport, so there's always planes going over. Um, but also, I- sorry if you've been hearing me burping, I'm drinking a carbonated beverage. <laughs> I didn't hear that, but thank you for playing out. I've been, like, I've been burping and then just being like, like, tr- slowly, <laughs> like, silently releasing them, but I'm... You know, you never know what might slip through. <laughs> That's so funny. I never would have noticed if you didn't say anything. I say I'm a good burper. <laughs> um, yeah, and Bella, speaking of what you were just talking about, Bella kind of feels the same way. She's, like, relieved that the decision was made. She says that this is kind of how she rolls. Like, once she makes a decision, she's just going to do it. Like, she's not going to second-guess herself, which I'm like, teach me your ways. <laughs> Can't relate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So on page 141, she's saying, like, nothing has changed in her mind, basically. Um, She says, the chills that flashed up my spine whenever I thought of that trip, the one to Seattle with Edward, were no different than the ones I'd felt before I'd taken my walk with Jacob Black. They should be different, I thought. I should be afraid. I knew I should be, but I couldn't feel the right kind of fear. There's another plane. Hold on. Lots of flights coming in. So I have a question for you. Do you think that she... I don't want to use the word foolish because I think that's harsh. But do you think she's being unwise here in her decision? I, I mean, looking at this objectively, I would say maybe a little bit you literally have no idea what you're jumping into. This could be way more intense than you could ever possibly know, which judging by the fact that there are what four other books, um, clearly things are going to heat up. So yeah, looking at it objectively, I think it is a little foolish. However, what were we fucking like at 17 when we had a crush on some hottie and we would do literally anything to, you know, get them to notice me, get or notice us, like us the way that we want them to. So I'm not shocked. I do think it's a little foolish, but I think we also need to 
give Bella a little bit of the... She's 17, you know? She's still a kid. Yeah, yeah. I think that's totally fair. I do think... I don't know if I'd use the word foolish. I think I would just say, like, a blind faith in the fact that he is a good person, even though, at least in my estimation, she doesn't really have that much proof of that yet. I mean, he did save her life, so I guess there's that, which is... He's also been kind of a dick to her, too, which, when you when you have a crush on someone, you can kind of... Not that you should, but you can look past people being a dick to you. But I would say the sum, aside from like you said, him saving her literal life. Um, he hasn't been really great to her yet. He's just kind of dreamy and mysterious. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, I do think she's kind of going in blind a little bit and just taking a leap of faith, mm-hmm. which is kind of risky. Um, but we'll see if it pays off for her. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I agree. I mean, who among us... I mean, I did this kind of shit. I mean, not with vampires, obviously. But, like, I took leaps of faith on this with people when I was, like, 22 years old. So. Yeah. I really can't talk. So, um, yeah, she just has a nice rest of her Sunday. She writes a paper. um, And then the next day she wakes up and it's sunny again. And she's super pumped because she thinks she might see Edward. Um. She gets to school, and Mike comes up, and this is kind of the come-to-Jesus moment for Mike, because he is flirting big time. He even touches her hair, which I'm like, I would not allow this to happen. Nope. No, thank you. That would be... I mean, I she doesn't like him. It's not like she's trying to decide anything. She doesn't like him. But that would be the, like, dude, you need to fucking leave me alone moment for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be for me, too. I don't even think I know it would be. Um, it's not quite for Bella, but it comes soon after um, when he asks her out that for that night. And I like that she says, really, Mike, are you blind? Because it's finally, like, her being like, get a clue. Because mm-hmm. the whole, I'm sure the whole audience, every reader at this point has been cheering for this, like, chanting, get a clue this whole time at Mike, and he's just not... But it seems to work um, because he asks Jessica out, we find out later, Mm -hmm. and she's really excited, and that seems to be going in the right direction. Yeah. But before that all happens, well, after Bella kind of puts the kibosh on the Mike thing, um, but before we find out that Mike asks Jessica out, she invites Bella to go to Port Angeles, um, which I don't think... (laughs) Stephanie does a good job of explaining that's just like a nearby city. So not as small of a town. Um, I guess you could pick that up from context clues, but um, so they're all going to go dress shopping for the dance and they want Bella to come to like share her opinion. Um, at first she's like, nah, cause I got, I love that. She's like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing tonight. I'm like, it's a Monday. <laughs> yeah. Judging by how things have been going with your crushes so far, I'm going to guess that what you're doing tonight is being at home and looking out the window. Like, yeah. that's going to be my guess. Cooking your dad dinner, doing homework, and going to bed. Yeah. As you should on a Monday. Whenever, I don't know if this is just, like, the 85-year-old inside my soul, my 25-year-old soul. I'm 24, but I just say that I'm 25 because it's close enough. But... 
Um, just anytime in like shows, especially, but sometimes books, I whenever I see high schoolers doing stuff on a weeknight, I'm like, I never would have been allowed to do that, or I would have had too much homework to do that, or I would have had soccer practice, so I couldn't have done that. It's just like it's just so it's so unrealistic to me. I don't know. Forks, Emily. This is a town where big dreams will fly high. (laughs) I feel like I want to get that printed on my forehead, what you just said. (laughs) That was so funny. (laughs) Okay, well, enough of me being old as hell. Um, So she doesn't really agree at first, but then when she gets to lunch and realizes that all of the Collins, not just Edward and Emmett, are not there, she is super bummed. And Angela also invites her to go, and she agrees, because she's like, well, I might as well. I got nothing better to do. I, I'm i team Angela. She always seems to have a nice thing to say about Angela. And Angela seems like she's not about any drama. She's just here to do her homework. She's here to hang out with Eric. I think Eric is the guy that she's going to the dance with. Um, and yeah, she's just doing her own thing. I'm pro Angela. I'm, and I'm not afraid to say it. I love you so much for saying that. I am also team Angela. I get hard eyes about her. I haven't said anything about her because not a lot has been revealed about her, but I'm just like, every time she gets brought up, I'm like, (laughs) I love her so much. Um, so then she goes home. And that's when she realizes, well, Jessica calls to cancel the whole thing because Mike asked her out. So they're going to go the next night. So Bella just does her chores, which is basically exactly what we said she was going to do. She answers her mom's emails. Then she goes outside to read um, Jane Austen. Speaking of, I, I have to live my truth, okay? I cannot with Jane Austen. Like, I know she's, like, a super good author and, like, Everyone loves her. But that is my, like, you can't do gothic. I cannot do, like, turn of the century. I don't even know if it's turn of the century. But, like, that kind of style of, like, old British literature. I'm like, no. <laughs> Please. why I have no opinion. Yeah. Just lukewarm on it. I think we read, what did we read in Mr. Hopkins' class? Mmm. I can't even say because I've read so much Jane Austen unwillingly <laughs> against my will at this point because I had to do so much of it in college. I want to say it was Pride and Prejudice, but I'm not sure. Whichever the one where he is, is the one where he has the fake, or not the fake, the, the secret, secret wife, wife in the attic. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, you can just bleep this out. But it, the one that I remember is beep, um, but the wife in the attic. Yeah, and I don't think we need to bleep it out because it's, like, 300 years old. (laughs) I I don't think it was Pride and Prejudice because I haven't read Pride and Prejudice. Um, I thought it was... This is going to bother me. I was going to say that. Just Google wife in attic. (laughs) Actually, don't do that. That might come up weird. Yeah, I don't like that. Oh, my God. I literally just Googled wife in attic book. Jane Eyre. Yeah, I knew it was a girl's name. I, I didn't say it, but I knew it. I knew it was someone's name. 
Yeah, and Jane Eyre actually isn't Jane Austen. Um, it's by Charlotte Bronte, which is interesting because the Bronte sisters are going to have a lot of influence on this okay. book series. It'll come back around, but... Sorry you know. for confusing two different authors. No, I get them confused all the time. They're really similar in, like, writing style and time period and all that stuff, so I don't blame you at all. I mean, I definitely, I also thought that that was a Jane Austen novel about the wife in the attic, so. <laughs> Anyways, so she goes outside, and hilariously, she can't read because all the characters are named, like, Edward or Edmund, and she's like, can't deal with this right now, so she takes a nap instead. I, I really like that about Bella. I mean, that's just a classic high school move. Like, well, can't really do anything, so may as well just take a nap. Yeah, I'm jealous of her. I'm like, damn, I miss naps so much. Want to hear just, like, a weird thing about me? You might not trust me after this. Do it. I cannot nap. When I am, when I wake up for the day, I cannot sleep until it's the nighttime. It's not that I don't trust you. I just feel kind of sorry for you. I, I mean... I feel like I would waste a lot of time napping if I could, so maybe it's good that I can't, but, like, the only time I've ever been able to nap during the day is if I'm, like, really hungover or if I'm sick, which I'm really hungover, I am sick, but, um, like, those are the times that I can, like, fall asleep when it's, it's sunlight out, but, like, once I'm awake, I just cannot go to sleep until it's time for me to go to sleep. That's really interesting. That's crazy. I... I'm the exact opposite. Like, for a while, not that I thought I was narcoleptic, but I, like, legit, and I think part of it was my antidepressants, too, in college, that my dosage was all messed up, but I literally went into the, like, um, health center one time, and I was like, I can't stop thinking about sleep. When I'm not asleep, I'm thinking about going to sleep. Like, I love napping, in especially senior year, because I like, didn't have as many credits or whatever, I used to take, like, two naps a day, minimum. <laughs> That's minimum. I you think part of, part of it, too, was, like, being a college athlete, and so, like, I would get just, like, these little tiny windows of time, too, and we had to be up so early for, like, lifts and stuff, mm-hmm. but still, I love a good nap. I just feel so at peace. I feel like when I'm napping is one of the few times I don't have anxiety because I feel like when I'm sleeping at night, somehow I do. (laughs) Can you see Tina in the background at all? Yes, she looks so funny. I love her. Oh my gosh, she's living the dream. I just feel like I just spat out all of my mental um, health just information, but you know what? I'm keeping it real. You know, this is the real you. It is, and... The more we talk about it, the more normalized it is. So, yeah. If you don't feel comfortable talking about it, just this is just addressed to anyone in general. Totally understandable. But if you do, you should, because it helps other people talk about it too. Mm-hmm. This is a very serious episode. I feel like it was. We were due for that because last week we were all over the damn place. <laughs> yeah, we're we're strain, straightening our our course back out. I just feel like we're like a pendulum. Maybe next week we'll be crazy again. Maybe I'll just get really, really drunk before we record and then see what happens. Drunk Twilight. That could be a lot of fun. <laughs> could be. I probably shouldn't do it next week. I mean, we're about to get to this point because we have like three pages left. But 
we have two chapters that are even longer than these ones were, so we have a lot to cover. But I, I really thought about, like, just doing one. But I was like, Paige will be mad, and it won't make sense to, like, stop after the next one. So we got a lot of ground to cover next episode is all I'm saying. So, yeah, Bella wakes up in her backyard, and... Which, which is so creepy with the sudden feeling that I wasn't alone. I hate that. Like, that is the worst feeling. And I'm to- picturing this particular backyard. There's, it's one of those ones that, like, there's nothing behind it. Like, it, there's not houses nearby. It's just, like, just the forest behind mm-hmm. her. So that, that in of itself is scary. But, like, you've been researching supernatural beings all day. You, there's a lot of evidence to support it and just the spooky woods this horrible dream you had like no freaking wonder she got spooked I would be spooked yeah and just anytime you don't mean to fall asleep and then you do and you wake up it's jarring so doing this with all these other factors is like yikes yeah so she goes inside um to cook dinner and lets Charlie know that she's going to Port Angeles um, the next day with them to look at dresses. And it's so, like, she's like, I'm going to leave the some things for cold cut sandwiches in the fridge, okay, right on top. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so sweet. Also sounds really tasty. I don't know. What exactly is cold cut? Is that, like, ham? Yeah, I think, like, ham or turkey. Maybe okay. roast beef. I hate ham and I hate roast beef, so. Um, this is going to be the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> it's been a great run, guys. Sorry. Just, I feel like I have bad associations with the words cold cut because I always saw it. Well, first of all, it makes me think of Subway, which I hate. Mm-hmm. And then I always like saw my dad getting a cold cut combo at Subway and it always had ham on it. And I was like, no, thank you. But you know what? If you made it good, I bet it would be good. I, a nice hearty homemade sandwich. Maybe toast the bread a little bit, melt the cheese. Maybe get some sliced avocado on there. Ooh, my mouth is filling with saliva (laughs) you're so gross (laughs) i'm just hungry i don't blame you um a good panini too oh my sister has this panini press that makes such good paninis you know what i've been craving Hmm. cuban sandwich i love i mean that's ham so you might not might not be interested but no Mustard, pickle, scrunch it real flat and crisp it up. We get some Swiss on there. I think it's Swiss. Mm. Exquisite. Yeah, no, I love a Cuban sandwich. That's one of my exceptions to the ham rule. And there's this really good Cuban place down here called Little Havana. We need to go. About that restaurant, actually. You've heard good things, is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, it's delicious. Anyways, so. Bella wakes up the next day, and it's sunny again, um, and she's trying not to get her hopes up, but she still does, and realizes that the colons are not there again, and she's sad again, um, but she's kind of glad that she's going to be getting out of town tonight, and so after school, they go home, and they change, and they head out, and the last sentence is, my excitement increased exponentially as we actually drove out of the town limits. So that is the end of the chapter. Did you have any notes that we didn't cover? Um, I had one. It's super minor. And it was one of those things where it was like, this might just be me as an English person overanalyzing. But I just thought that it was 
nice, not nice, but appropriate that the the piece of literature that they were um, reading in English was Macbeth because of all of the all of the Shakespeare plays that I'm familiar with. I feel like that one has a very heavy supernatural element to it that it, you don't really see a lot, I would say, in that and you know, classic literature that you would read in a high school English class. So I just thought that it was a, a I, if it was intentional or not, it was a good choice because it kind of reflected what was kind of going on in the real life as well. And so it was just a little thing that I saw. Yeah, that's nice um, that you point that out. I'm going to keep it real here, which is crazy as an English major and as someone who worked for a Shakespeare festival, I've actually never read Macbeth. So I don't know what you're talking about, but it's cool that it lines up. Yeah, there's like, I think it's, they're called witches. They might be called something else, but it's like, he's like a king and he, these witches see this prophecy that like, he's gonna, you know, kill these people and this, and it's just like, like the dealing with these supernatural elements and trying to make uh, prophecies come true, basically, was is kind of like the main things that are going on. But I'm really, really summing that up poorly. But I like compared comparing Macbeth to like fucking Romeo and Juliet or Othello. It's like there is a big supernatural side of it that you don't see in a lot of the other plays. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you noticed that and that you brought it up, because I think there, I know of a few others that are going to come up, not necessarily in this book, but in the series, where, like, the stuff they're reading or the stuff they're talking about lines up with the plot, so that must be um, a technique of Stephanie's, so, yeah, it's good to know that it's happening this early on, that, that that's something that she was establishing from the jump. Yeah. So, um, for next week, as I was mentioning a little bit earlier... Um, we are going to cover the next two chapters. It's a lot of material, so um, we might have a little bit of a longer episode, but the next two chapters are called Port Angeles and Theory. So do you have any predictions? I know the first one is just the name of the town they're going to, but... Port Angeles probably is going to be girl-heavy, I would say. Not girl-heavy, but I feel like it's going to be a lot of the dress shopping and I do remember in the movie Bella goes to the dance because there is the infamous gazebo scene that you know I mean maybe that doesn't happen in the book but I'm pretty sure she goes to the dance so maybe there's like some kind of a turning moment at Port Angeles or maybe she decides she wants to go to the dance I don't know but maybe that will happen um and then theory I think that Maybe she's going to present her theory maybe to Edward tentatively. We'll see. But I think theory is going to clearly go hand in hand with her theory about what he is. Yeah, I like it. I like those predictions. Um, We'll see what happens next. I love that you brought up the gazebo scene. What an icon. Am I right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah, so like I just said, we're going to be reading chapters eight and nine next week. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode today, and you know the drill. We're on um, Twitter at TaftPod, and we are on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays Are For Twilight. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash Tuesdays Are For Twilight. As we mentioned earlier, please, if you can, donate to Quilly Move to Higher Ground at mthg.org. 
And next week is going to be October, my favorite month. So it's very exciting. Perfect, perfect month to be talking about some vampires and werewolves. Yes, I love it. So, yeah, we're looking forward to next week, and we hope you'll join us for Chapters 8 and 9 of Twilight. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>